0: to Yo and Yo's podcast. We've had the privilege of advising Michigan businesses for over 95 years and we want to share our knowledge with you. Covering tax, accounting, technology, financial and advisory topics relevant to you and your business, Yo and Yo's podcast is hosted by industry and subject matter experts where we go beyond the beans. So if you want to stay in the know about business issues and trends that affect you, then keep listening because this is Everyday Business with Yo and Yo.
1: Hello, I'm today's host, Jacob Sobczynski, principal at Yo and & Yo, and welcome to this two-part series. This is our second part on the series, talking specifically about the tax effects of blockchain and crypto securities. I'm excited to introduce my guests, Zaher Basha and Randy Howard, part of Yo & Yo's tax team who specialize in cryptocurrencies. Thank you both for joining me. I'd like to start first Thanks by just here. throwing a question out there. Uh, asking when do the cryptocurrencies become taxable? You know, this is a big part in, in what we've seen coming in. What do you see out there and when, when should we be aware of it? I can take that question, Jacob.
2: Thanks for having us, by the way. There are generally a few instances where crypto is taxable. Uh, the four main ones or the four that are pointed out by the IRS typically are when you're trading crypto or selling crypto, uh, whether it's the U.S. dollar or any fiat currency you're exchanging the cryptocurrency or virtual currency is another term the IRS uses for regular day-to-day currency. If you ever use crypto to pay for goods or services, there are some lenders or some utilities where you can pay your heating bill or your cooling bill with crypto. In those instances, uh, at the moment you pay that bill, there's a calculation of gain on the exchange of that virtual currency for the fair market value of the services or goods you bought. Another one is when you exchange one type of cryptocurrency for a different type of cryptocurrency. Um, That's quite common if you're exchanging Bitcoin for Ethereum or XRP or any of those types of exchanges. Uh, And then the one where there are different levels of taxes when you mine, um, stake crypto. Um, There are instances where when you're mining crypto, there's a decision that has to be made whether you're doing it as a Trader, business or as a hobby, and there might be different tax aspects to that. But when you're mining it, as soon as a Bitcoin or a crypto is created, you generate a taxable transaction there. And then when you go and sell that crypto, there's a second layer of tax um, at a capital gain rate, mostly.
1: So for the normal individual who, when we're using an exchange to transfer our cryptos from one to another back to fiat, what should we be looking for? Is there long-term effects to that, short-term gains? Randy, any thoughts on that?
3: So yeah, it can either be a short-term gain or a long-term gain, uh, depending on how long you hold crypto. To be in order to be a long-term gain, you would have to hold a, the crypto for at least a year before you go ahead and exchange or sell it, and whereas anything under a year would be short-term. Um, and then advantage, you get uh, favorable tax rates for holding that crypto
1: for over a year. So it goes back to the
3: long-term gain rate? Yeah, the long-term capital great gain rate um, would be used oh. for yeah, for longer than a year. What about wash sales? So the wash sales um, for crypto, they're actually treated as property and not as securities. So they can get around those wash sale rules. That's one of the uh, tax planning strategies uh, we call tax loss harvesting that we can possibly use to where if you are having um, some larger gains later in the year, um, you could possibly sell some of your crypto and then buy it back almost immediately. But in the time that you sell it, you would realize those losses to go counteract your gains.
1: Any losses, their gains from cryptos just get lumped in with any additional uh, long-term
2: gains or losses? Correct.
3: Uh, yep, they get reported on that 89.49 and then on the ultimately on the Schedule D.
2: Yeah, the only difference um, would be if you're mining it and not holding it for investment. That's when it could be included on a Schedule C or on another income line or page one of your business tax return.
1: On a, mm-hmm. As business income rather than a capital gain. Um, yeah. Correct,
3: about, yeah, and that would be subject to self-employment tax.
1: Well, what about being compensated um, through cryptocurrency if I'm getting paid in cryptocurrency?
2: Like any benefit or wages paid to the employee. If it's paid to an employee, it would be included on their W-2. You would have to figure out or calculate the fair market value of crypto given to the employee as compensation. I uh, would be, it would still be subject to federal and uh, state income tax withholding as well as your FICA tax withholdings.
1: Is that re- income reported at the date I'm given, the value at the date I'm given? So theoretically, if I pay tax and it's a dollar on that day as income, paid a dollar, I pay tax as ordinary income on that dollar. And then whatever gain, capital gain I have, I'd have capital gain at the same time.
2: Yeah. So, so whatever's um, included, I mean, it's kind of like with stock vesting options and things like that. The initial payment to the employee, uh, that's included in box one of your W-2 as ordinary wages, tax ordinary rates, and that gives you your cost basis in the crypto. So if the employee were later then to go out and sell it, they would take the fair market value at the date they sold it and subtract the cost basis, which was the amount that was included in their W-2.
1: Can you talk about non-taxable transactions related to crypto securities and cryptocurrencies?
3: So there are a few different uh, non-taxable crypto transactions. The first of that being would be giving uh, cryptocurrency as a gift. Next, we would move on to the wallet to wallet or going from exchange to exchange transfer. Um, that would be non-taxable. Also, uh, the buying of the cryptocurrency and then uh, donating the virtual currency to a charity. That also would be a non-taxable transaction.
1: And so just to reiterate, Zahir, I think you said it before, but moving from a uh, currency to currency, create a transaction, even though it didn't convert back to fiat? I just wanted to reiterate that.
2: If you're exchanging one type of currency for a different type of currency or crypto, then it is taxable. But if you're simply transferring your crypto from one wallet or exchange to another wallet or exchange, uh, it would not be taxable. Mm
3: -hmm. Right. It would have to be the same cryptocurrency. So, you know, if you're just transferring your Bitcoin, for example, from Coinbase to Coinbase Pro, that would be you know, within that wallet, those two talking to each other, that would not be a a taxable transaction.
1: So we've seen some new movement from PayPal and and Cash App buying in, and and now you can trade in cryptocurrencies through their apps. Sites like Robinhood also allow you to buy a handful of of different cryptocurrencies. Uh, Any thoughts on how that's going to be reported and how we should be looking at that? Is that taxable, non-taxable transaction?
2: As you mentioned, crypto is becoming more popular. PayPal's recently rolled out as well as Square through their cash app. It's essentially similar to Coinbase. It's just a different platform to be able to buy and sell crypto. Robinhood, as you mentioned, is another popular one. There are, depending on the platform you're using, uh, you may receive different tax documents from them. And depending on whether they're domestically based or foreign based, Um, Most of those are domestically based, but there's exchanges like Binance and others that may be foreign exchanges or third-party foreign exchanges where you might step into foreign reporting uh, requirements. Um, With that, we probably just recommend you check with your tax advisor just to check whether you need to get – whether if you were to receive a tax form or depending on where your exchange is located, whether you have tax reporting consideration, whether it's – gain or loss or foreign reporting.
1: So let's talk about that reporting piece for a minute because typically this is going to be reported on a 1099. Is that what you guys have been seeing?
3: So we have seen where it gets reported on a 1099-K. I do know that it's not a very accurate reporting form um, because it sometimes will include those non-taxable wallet-to-wallet transfers. Um, We've actually seen some clients that have got run into that issue. So one of the main things that you have to do is you have to at least report what is reported on that form 1099-K. So even if it includes those non-taxable transactions, you would just have those non-taxable transactions have their um, proceeds equal their basis to get up to that 1099-K number, because that's what the IRS is going to use. And that's what they believe that you have in proceeds. Yeah.
2: And in those situations, I mean, like uh, Randy was saying, it depends on what platform you're on. For example, Coinbase the last couple of years have been issuing 1099Ks. They have mentioned in 2020 they they're no longer issuing 1099Ks. There are rewards on Coinbase where if you got more than $600, they might issue you a a 1099 Miscellaneous or a 1099 NEC now. Um, so depending on the platform, I mean the 1099K only includes the gross transactions. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people that get it and they're shocked, or this wasn't my gain, I have cost basis, why is the number so high? It might just be reporting the gross transactions and not netting out your cost basis in those transactions. So there are times where he mentioned there's transfers included in the 1099K. You'd have to include an adjustment on the 8949 or Schedule D to back out those transfers. Um, just to make sure your personal tax return or business tax return matches that 1099 form and you don't get an IRS matching notice.
1: So let's talk about cost cost tracking because clearly that's on you as the taxpayer uh, to be doing your own tracking of your cost basis. If that 1099K or any other reporting form doesn't have any cost basis on it. So what kind of tips or ideas and how can we track that cost basis?
3: So depending on the platform, Uh, you use, they do have some, uh, sometimes they can give you, you know, an Excel sheet of all your activity for the year. I know Coinbase is one of them that does, but ultimately it is your own responsibility to track those transactions um, because the platform may or may not give you a tool. As an individual, I would track those transactions every time you buy and every time you sell um, on an Excel spreadsheet, for example. I think that would be the best course of action. Because it ultimately is, like I said, your your responsibility. And the IRS also believes that as well. It is your responsibility to do accurate reporting.
1: Zahir, what about uh, cost reporting? What what kind of options do I have? Do I have to use the first in, first out?
2: The IRS actually, just like most properties, uh, as long as you can specifically identify each coin or crypto transaction, just like a real estate property that has an address, an identifier of some sort, as long as you can track that identifier or the date you purchased that crypto and the fair market value and the exchange rate on the date you purchased it, um, they give you the option of either, either doing FIFO, LIFO, or HIFO, I guess is the other one. So it's either first in, first out, whichever coin you bought first is the first one you sell. Last in, first out is the one you most recently bought is the one you're selling. And then HIFO is the one where you can pick and choose whichever one has the highest cost basis you can pick to choose that specific unit. Um, there are different tax advantages to each one, depending on if cryptos are going up or going down. There are usually the HIFO basis would probably allow you to defer your taxes the longest, mm-hmm. um, but there might be situations where you have a crypto that's a month old versus one that's 11 months old, and you want to retain the one that's 11 months old so you can get that cap- long-term capital gain treatment. Depending on Uh, your situation and the market in general, uh, you can choose any of those three reporting methods.
1: Can I use different reporting methods in the same reporting year for each transaction? Can I use a different reporting method? Probably Uh, not.
2: Probably not. I think you have to pick one and uh, Mm -hmm. stick to it. With the HIFO method, I mean, you're just choosing, that's where you have probably the most flexibility because you can pick and choose the one with the highest cost basis. With LIFO or FIFO you might get hurt if you're expecting the market to drop and it starts to go up and now you're selling coins um, or crypto at a higher gain than you were expecting. So those are your options as long as you can specifically identify which units you are selling and track the cost like Randy mentioned. Uh, If you're unable to track those individual units with some sort of system, um, the IRS requires you to use the LIFO system.
1: So last year sometime, the IRS identified that they were subpoenaing some of these exchanges for records. Any news on that front? Any concerns? I mean, obviously, we should be reporting these transactions. But again, from a subpoena standpoint, what have you seen out there?
2: Yeah, so the IRS is really cracking down on virtual currency. Uh, 2019 was the first year they included a question up at the top of Schedule 11040 that asked the taxpayer point blank, did you have any dealings or sell or buy or receive any virtual currency under penalties or perjury, you have to say yes or no. Uh, in 2020, they're moving that question to the, to the front page of the 1040. But like you said, they've been subpoenaing records um, from Coinbase and different platforms. They've sent out letters to taxpayers who didn't report their crypto on their returns and asking them to pay back taxes and amend their returns. Um, So it's something we're expecting the IRS to continue to crack down on, especially in a year 2020 where crypto in general has done really well. They know there's a lot of taxable gain transactions and they'll go after
3: it. Yep. And then, you know, new for 2020, it's going to be right on that front page of the 1040, right front and center. Mm -hmm. So not just anyone that had a schedule one like last year, it's going to be everyone that filed, you know, every taxpayer is going to have to answer that question.
1: So what kind of penalties are there for for not reporting correctly?
3: So yeah, the penalties can be very severe. You know, you're talking just from a tax standpoint, if you had, you know, that taxable income, you could, you know, have failure to pay penalties, you know, failure to timely, you know, correctly report, reporting. And then, you know, you have that perjury question. That's the the really big one. Whereas you could have, you know, fines up to $250,000 and even, you know, they're talking jail time and. Criminal charges on that. The IRS is starting to take this, you know, very seriously.
1: Sahir, I think you had mentioned something about foreign reporting. Um, What kind of considerations about filing foreign reporting do I need to do if these exchanges aren't U.S. based?
2: Yeah, so as of now, this is December 9th, 2020, because it's continuing to evolve. I mean, this is a fairly new IRS consideration and their rules continue to change on this. Um, But as of now, FinCEN, which is in charge of the FBAR reporting, where if you have a foreign bank account um, over $10,000, you'd have to report the balance of the account. But because as of now, virtual currency is treated as property, it's not required to be reported on an FBAR return. But there are considerations if you own property on foreign exchanges, where if you exceed certain dollar thresholds, um, you may have to file a form 8938, just a statement on foreign financial assets um, that you might have to report, depending on what platform you're using and the value of your account.
1: What kind of tactics do we have? Can we use 1031 transactions? Can we use any other like-kind of exchange uh, techniques to avoid tax on, on
3: gains? So that was one of the things that um, that the TCJA um, got rid of, um, is that the, it was elimination of 1031 exchanges. So as we you know stated earlier, is that uh, those crypto-to-crypto transactions before 2018, you could have, uh, those would not have been taxable transactions, but now they are after the TCGA. Um, So you are not able to, you know, defer those, uh, those gains or losses anymore.
1: What about uh, tax considerations from things like airdrops or forks or, you know, coming into coins from not a transaction, not a purchase?
2: Yeah. So on this, the IRS has crypto virtual currency location on their website and there's 40 questions, Q&As, and on their Q&A sections, it mentions forking with cryptocurrencies. Um, Based on their Q&As, it mentions if there's a fork, uh, but you did not receive any new cryptocurrencies, um, whether through an airdrop or transfer, there is no taxable um, transaction to that piece. But if there is a fork and then it's followed by an airdrop or transfer of new type of cryptocurrency, you would have taxable gain or loss on that. Transaction, so that's something to consider if you're um, running across a situation where there's both a fork and an airdrop.
1: Yeah, no,
3: those, that scenario was like when they Bitcoin went to Bitcoin Cash would be you know example of one of those forks.
1: Sure, you know so recently there's been some credit cards that are giving cash back in Bitcoin. Any tax consequence to, to receiving Bitcoin from a cash rewards program?
3: as of right now those cash rewards uh, are considered to be a merchant rebate so they are uh, not taxable as income Um, but if you're converting the cash value into bitcoin uh, or any other crypto you know that establishes that cost basis for that coin which is you know subject to the the rules that we explained earlier you know and then on that taxation can you guys give us
1: some tips as to what records should we be maintaining so that we can come to our tax professionals ready to report the correct amount the first time?
2: Yeah, definitely. One thing I think, as we mentioned before, if you're paying an employee or an independent contractor via crypto, there are W-2 reporting considerations. So you'd wanna track how you're paying the employee on what day the exchange rate. And if you're paying an independent contractor, um, the 1099 reporting rules apply if you pay them more than $600 in crypto throughout the year. You'd have to report that on a 1099 NEC. So along with keeping some of those records, if you're investing or mining crypto, the records you want to keep is when was the currency received, the date it was received. You'd want to track the fair market value and the exchange rate on the date it was received or mined to track what your cost basis is in that. Uh, if the coin crypto was gifted to you, probably have to get that information from the donor or whoever gifted it to you. Um, what was their cost basis and when did they receive the coin? or the crypto, you inherit their cost basis and holding period. And then if you're selling it, it's the opposite of that. You'd wanna track the date you sold it and the fair market value and the exchange rate on the date you sold it. It's pretty straightforward if you're doing this two, three times a month, Um, it's pretty straightforward. You can track it in Excel. Um, If you're getting to the point where you're doing hundreds of transactions a month, um, there are new crypto accounting softwares out there. Um, You might wanna look into those. Um, as well as consulting with your tax advisor, CPA, um, on the best way to track those and make sure you're reporting what's required of you.
1: In closing, any other final thoughts on things that you think that the listeners should be aware of?
2: Yeah, just in summary, I mean, I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, this is fairly new to the market. I mean, the types of transactions. I mean, the IRS, I think they've mentioned there's a, they believe there's around 1,500 different virtual currencies out there uh, and there's a lot of complexity involved depending on the platform and how you got the coin and, or the crypto and how you're selling it and keeping track of those, your dates, your exchange rates, the fair market value is very important as the IRS continues to come down and continues to follow up and make sure you're paying your taxes timely. And the longer you wait to report this stuff the heavier the penalties will be and the more at risk you'll be uh, intentionally trying to avoid reporting your taxes.
3: Yeah, I think just uh, like you said, you know, the penalties can be very severe. So, um, you know, the IRS is taking it very seriously. So, you know, if you have any questions, just reach out to us or your tax advisor. You know, that's that's the big thing is definitely if you're confused in any way, you know, get help. (laughs) That's my advice.
1: That's great advice. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Zahir and Randy, uh, thank you very much for your insights on the tax effects and the tax consequences of playing in the Bitcoin blockchain, cryptocurrency, what other other name you want to provide to it. I appreciate you guys sharing your knowledge and experience with us. Uh, Thank you very much. And if you are interested in learning more about blockchain and related impacts, visit yoandyo.com where you can find a copy of our show notes and additional resources. Thank you everyone who joined us today. And don't miss part one of our series that discusses the basics of blockchain and the related technology. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: for tuning in to Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. Yo and Yo's podcast can be listened to on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and of course, our website. Please subscribe, rate, and review. For more business insights, visit our resource center at yoandyo.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletters. We'll talk to you next time on Yo and Yo's Everyday Business Podcast. The information provided in this podcast is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the podcast reflect the views of the speakers. This podcast does not constitute tax, accounting, legal, or other business advice, or an advisor-client relationship. Before making any decision or taking action, you should consult with a professional regarding your specific circumstances.